Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Do you want to improve your speaking, listening, and pronunciation? Well, you're in the right place. I wrote two ebooks which are available for free on my website, The Definitive Guide to Improving Fluency and the Listening and Pronunciation Mastery Manual. Just head over to my website, adbroughton.com, leave your email, and I'll send those in PDF format so you can read them on any device. Get to my website, download those for free today. Hi guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Broughton English Show, the best of review. What I'm going to do in today's podcast episode is share with you the best tips and tricks from all of the podcasts that you've listened to up to now. It's very important when, when you're learning English to take a moment to see where you are, where you've come from, where you're going. I mean, English learning is a journey. And just like any journey, if you're wanting to get to a destination, you don't just walk continuously um, without any aim. It's very important to, to know where you're going, but occasionally to stop and have a look around, see where you are, see how far you've come. Um, see how long you have left to get to your destination. So English learning is just this kind of journey. I mean, with the exception that there is really no end destination. With English learning, you're constantly improving, constantly getting better, constantly reassessing your position, seeing where you are. And it's very important to do this. Take a moment and see where you are now. See where you've come from. What have you learned? What have you done well? And what could you have done better? And then look to the future, look to, to where you're going. Do you need to reassess your course? Do you need to change your direction? Do you need to focus on, on one skill more than another, depending on what you've improved until now? So this is what we're doing today. We're going to um, have a look at all the different podcasts, all the best advice from each podcast episode. And then if you want more information, then obviously you can click on those um, individual podcast episodes to get more information and listen to them again. And this is one of the most important aspects of learning, learning a language. I mean, it's very important as well as you're learning. Don't worry too much about accumulating more and more knowledge. It's very important to, to have a look at the knowledge that you have and make that knowledge perfect. Often what we do when we learn, we learn a little bit of lots of different things, but we never get very good at any one thing. Every time you learn something new, learn it until you know it and you, more importantly, you can use it. Just hearing it for the first time, writing it down in your notebook, that's not enough. You need to practice it until it's so clear in your head that you know how to use it, you know when to use it, and you don't have any problems using it. What I mean by that is you don't make mistakes, you don't hesitate, you don't doubt. So this is what we're going to do. So what I'd like to speak about first is episode one, which was with Chris Roberts. In Chris's episode, he talks about the theory of marginal gains. Now, essentially what this is, it's making very small changes to your habits or to your learning process in order to make very big um, improvements. 
This you can apply to your learning in lots of different ways. So it's just looking at what you're doing, um, analyzing how you do it, and making very small changes to those learning habits in order to make continuous progress. So um, imagine you watch TV every day in English, where you can make small changes. So um, imagine it's 10 minutes in the morning where you can think about, okay, in, the, in those 10 minutes, what I can do is listen in general, and then for the last minute, I can do a focused um, listening activity. For example, you can listen to one minute of it and try and find where well, you write down every verb that you hear, for example. Then you repeat that one minute and you write down every preposition that you hear. Or you could do a dictation and check with the subtitles after. So it's just making very small changes because if you always do the same thing, well, you always get the same results. Just like um, if you're going to the gym or you're learning to play a musical instrument, these are two things that I do. Um, it's very important for me to make very small changes in what I do in the gym or what I do when I'm practicing piano. If not, I don't make any improvements. So don't focus on big changes. Don't focus on making big improvements. It's the small things, the small changes that will give you fantastic results. Chris also talks about the difference between motivation and investment. Now, motivation is something that in any given moment you have it or you don't have it. Um, a lot of people obsess over, over motivation. A lot of training courses, uh, particularly business training, they focus on motivation. Be motivated. Get more motivated. But motivation is very much related to, to emotions. And in a given moment, you feel motivated. And, well, sometimes, for whatever reason, you don't feel motivated. And that's okay. And, and what Chris was explaining was that it's not so much whether you feel motivated or not. The most important thing is how much are you investing in your learning. So not how much are you motivated about learning. Motivated, being motivated and motivation is a secondary thing. It comes naturally as a result of investing in your learning, having self-discipline and doing things every day. So focus on the consistency and then motivation will come naturally. So think of motivation as a secondary thing, as a natural consequence of how much you're investing in your learning. So think, what are you doing? What are you investing? How much are you investing every day in your learning? What are you doing? Write those things down. How much time? What skills are you practicing every day? And then think about how you can invest more. In episode two, I spoke to Alan Rogers, a fantastic episode. His focus we had two main focuses. Um, the first one is about how to, how to love what you learn. And this is a really important thing. It's true that you absolutely have to enjoy what you're learning. In order to love what you learn, it's more about loving how you learn. So don't worry about, okay, I need to love learning English. No, because it's not learning English itself that you will love. It's the things that you do. It's the actions that you can enjoy and love. So um, the way that I love to learn will be very different from the way all of you listeners um, will learn. And it's very important for each person to find their way of learning, the way that they enjoy to learn, and the way that gives them the most satisfaction and enjoyment. So each person has this you know, different way. So it's very important to find yours. Experiment. Each person is different. Out there, you've got a million different things, a million different um, software things, apps, technology, and all the different skills. So some people love reading and some people love listening. And it's 
adapting those skills in a way that you really enjoy them and you get the most satisfaction from them and continue to experiment. In my episode, in episode seven with Ash Golistani, he said that every few months he changes the, the apps that he uses because he gets bored or he finds that they're not giving him the results that he, that he had in the beginning. So constantly change things. And this goes back to Chris Roberts' theory of marginal gains. It's making these small changes constantly to the way that you learn to keep it interesting. Another very important thing that Alan Rogers said was the, the, the point that he made about focusing on consistency over quantity. Um, it is definitely, I mean, this goes with everything. It's not just English. It's learning anything. It's improving in anything. It's all about consistency and not about the quantity of time. We all know this, but sometimes we get obsessed with studying more, practicing more, dedicating more and more time. Everybody's busy. Everybody says, I don't have time. I say, I don't have time. Um, mostly it's about priorities and it's funny that we, we say I don't have time, but we do always find time to do the things that we love. So uh, finding a way to love what you learn and just having the, the, the small amount of time that you do spend make it real quality time. I will say that 10 minutes of a focused listening activity where you're focusing on individual pieces of information, individual words, specific information, those 10 minutes will be much, much better than a two-hour film where you're just listening in general. So focus on consistency. Don't think, I need to study, I need to study, I need to put two hours in. No, think, I need to practice every day. So I just need to practice today, five or 10 minutes, but something. Then tomorrow, do that again. So it's focus on consistency, not quantity. In episode three, I spoke to Alberto Alonso. Fantastic, really fun episode. His focus was looking at music to learn. And this, this is very good because lots of people love music. So again, it's doing something that you, that you already love doing, listening to music, and then putting the English spin on it. So using music to practice English. That is very good. There are some very, very good things that you can do with music. Obviously, in music, particularly in pop music, modern music, You've got lots of expressions and lots of expressive language. Music is about expression. So you find lots and lots of expressions, idioms. And the great thing, because it's music and you have a verses, you have choruses, these expressions will be repeated. And this is what he said in, in the episode, in the interview. He said that with every song that you hear, you know, in a Justin Bieber song, he repeats one idiom, say, 10, 20 times. So it's very good because you, then you've got the, the memory aspect because it's repeated so many times, it makes it much easier to learn. My advice, I do say be careful with music. There are two things that can make it a little bit difficult to, to practice English uh, with music in that the words, the, the way that the, the words are put together in the sentences, being music, it's more poetry as opposed to uh, real-life conversation. So it's very good for individual pieces of vocabulary. But the sentences themselves, they may not reflect the real way that we actually express ourselves when we're speaking to people in a conversation. Um, obviously, if you walk around having conversations like a Justin Bieber song, or any song of that matter, you'll probably sound a bit strange. So take key expressions, idioms, vocabulary in general, and practice it through listening. But do be careful with the language that they use because there are 
gra- the singers and songwriters do make grammatical changes and structural changes to sentences, so it sounds more musical and better in a song, but it's not actually the way that we often speak. And another thing, this is, this is something that lots of, lots, lots of students um, tell me, is that they often find it very difficult to understand English in music. And I said, don't worry, this happens to native speakers as well. Some of my favorite songs, I don't actually know what they're saying half of the time in a song. And I'll just sing and I'll, I'll sing along, putting blah, blah, blahs and things like this, because I don't actually know the words that they're saying. And this is very common. How is this possible? If I listen to a song in Spanish, I understand 100% of it. It's very easy to understand Spanish when it's sung, because it sounds the same as when the words are said. This isn't the same with, with English. When you, when you sing it, When you sing, particularly with the vowels, when you make a vowel longer, it changes the pronunciation. Obviously, it can change the meaning of the word. Um, imagine we say cot. Cot is, is a little uh, bed where babies sleep, so a cot. Now, if you sing that, obviously, when you sing, the vowels become longer, and you say cart. Now, when you say cart, it could mean cart, as in a a cart, you know, a small vehicle with wheels that you push around. So, one th- and this is just one word. Now, when you make vowels longer in English, when you sing them, it can change the pronunciation and change the actual word that you're saying. So this is very common in songs. Um, it's very common for, uh, for native speakers as well not to understand what they're saying because the word that they say, you have to look at it in a context and think, okay, well, they're saying cart, but are they saying cart or are they saying cot? Well, you look at the context, look at the sentence and decide which one they're saying. So don't become frustrated if you don't understand everything when you feel that your listening skills are very good But when you, when you listen to a song, you don't understand everything. Native speakers don't understand lots of songs because, because of the pronunciation, particularly of the vowels. And another great tip that Alberto Alonso said in episode three was to be honest with yourself. So he asked the question, are you doing everything you can to improve your English? Now, let's take a moment and think about that question and think, what, what is the actual message behind that? Because, of course, you can always do more. You could always do more. You could always do more in everything. You can always work more. You can always earn more money. You can always have more friends, anything. You can always learn more English. But really, it is, it's, it's when you sit down and you become frustrated and you think, I haven't improved over the last three months. What's happened? I'm practicing English. Well, that's where you need to ask yourself, Have you done everything that you could in the last three months to improve your English? So it's more about when you feel frustrated and you feel that you haven't improved, this is where you can ask yourself this question. And it goes back to reviewing, just, you know, just like what this podcast episode is about. It's about looking back, analyzing what you've done, thinking about what you could do better, looking at your position now, and then changing that in order to progress. You need to do this. I recommend doing it once a, once a week, but... Uh, sometimes I know it's not very practical, but I, I do this on Sundays. On Sundays, I look at my last week and I think, what did I do well last week? What were my goals for the last week? Which ones did I achieve? Which ones didn't I reach? What could I have done better? Where am I now? What do I want to do for next week? And then I'll write my goals for the next week. And then any changes from the last week 
that I would like to implement in the in the coming week. And you, you can do this with absolutely everything. It's very good for just, you know, your schedule and your work in general. But for learning, it's absolutely essential. You need to assess your position. You need to look at what you've learned. You need to look at where you are, where you want to go, and how you will change. Very, very important. In episode four with Francesca Nadin, um, she was looking at idioms and how to learn them. It's very good. Idioms are very good. They're, they're one of those things that when you can use idioms comfortably, it's when you really start to master the language. Now, what is key about idioms? The problem, let's say the problem, is that when you look at an idiom in a dictionary or you look at an idiom on lingui, for example, where you've got a translation of what you would say in your language, that's okay, but really it's not like a word in the dictionary. A word in the dictionary, it's relatively easy um, to use it once you have a definition. But because idioms are so expressive and they, they reflect the culture of the language and the culture of the people, it's very important to know in what situation do you use this idiom. In response to what? In response to what a person said or in response to a situation? So just looking at the, the translation or the definition of an idiom in a dictionary is not enough. You do need to see it multiple, multiple times and hear it multiple times to really get a very, very, very strong meaning in your head of what the meaning is, but more importantly, when to use it and how to use it in response to what situation. That's the most important thing about idioms and expressions. Um, in episode five, I spoke to Zoe Owen. She was looking at memory. Now, interestingly, in episode seven with Ash Golistani, he was looking at memory as well. In Zoe Owen's episode, episode five, she was looking at memory and how you can use word association to memorize and remember vocabulary. What is word association? Word association is, is basically that associating the word with something that you already know or already understand. So you attach this thing, you attach this new word, this new thing to something that's already in your head. And that helps you remember it, because when you think of the word, you think of the thing that you already knew, and it helps you remember it. This is very interesting. There, there's, a, there's, there's a fantastic person. He, his name is James Clear. He's an expert in habits and habit formation. I'll put a link to his website um, in the show notes. I definitely recommend you look at him, uh, James Clear. He gives some very, very good advice about habit forming and following through with your habits, keeping new habits, removing old bad habits. Very, very interesting. And he has, he explains something which is very similar. It's called habit stacking. And habit stacking essentially is a very, very good technique to create new habits. So you can apply this to everything, and it's very good to, to do it with learning English as well. So with habit stacking, what you do is you attach this new habit to a pre-existing habit. So a habit that you already do every day or every week or whenever, and then you put this new habit with that thing. How can you do this? Well, imagine you want to um, go running, Okay, so what you would do is you put this new habit because this new habit doesn't exist. You, where do you put it in your schedule? Where do you attach it to something um, that you already do? So you'd say, okay, I will go running when I finish my English practice. And then when I get back from running, I will cook dinner. So you've, put, you've actually sandwiched it. You've put it, you've stacked it with two pre-existing habits. And it makes it much easier to, first of all, remember it, and then 
to create this new habit because it's already with a habit that you already do. This is mostly the most difficult thing about starting and keeping a new habit. It's not the habit itself. It's remembering the habit and and pushing yourself to do it. So the, the, the brain and the body will always go to what feels natural, and new habits don't feel natural. So the body resists and the brain resists. But when you put this new habit with something that you already do, well, there is no resistance because you already do that thing. So with habit stacking, you can use this with, you know, it very much relates to word association. So, you know, associating new words, new vocabulary, new expressions with words that you already know. Okay, so imagine you want to... Uh, learn the word exams, where you can think exams, exams, students, exams, university, exams, whatever. And this word association, every time you think exam, you'll think of the other words and that will help you. You can put the word in a story with other words that you already know. All these things will help you remember um, remember the word and more importantly, help you recall the word. Now, recall is something that Ash Golistani speaks about in memory, you've got two things. I mean, you've got remembering and you've got recalling. Now, the science behind this is basically that you, you do remember everything. Humans remember everything. What we're not very good at is recalling information, which is finding a memory in our head and reproducing it. Now, this is what recall is. Now, with memory techniques and language and everything else, it's the, the recall part is more important than remembering because remembering is almost automatic what we're not what humans are not very good at is recalling information so you should definitely practice recall there are lots of different things that you can do with this Um, an app that multiple guests have have recommended on the show is anki um, a-n-k-i i'll put a link to this in the show notes as well anki is very very good it's a memory app, so it helps you remember vocabulary. There are lots of different games that you can, that you can do on Anki to remember and recall um, words, information, expressions, whatever you want. I definitely recommend you, you download this. It's a very good app, very easy to use. There'll be a link in the show notes for that. Good. Um, now, my next guest was episode six, Simon Price. His focus, he was looking at films and series with subtitles using YouTube um, and videos in general to practice listening exercises. Very, very good advice. And we're looking at how to use film and series, particularly with subtitles, to, to help you practice and learn English. Um, I explain it in the way that there are, there are essentially four levels to, to approaching a listening exercise with film or, or series. Film and series... They are very good, and television is very good, but you can't rely on it. You can't only do that. The big problem with films, series, and TV in general is that you're, you're listening in general. Okay, Now, the problem with listening in general, listening in general is very good, but you're, you're absorbing you know, a little bit of everything, but n- nothing specific. Now, when you're listening, you do absolutely have to dedicate a small amount of time um, every day, even if it's just one minute to focused listening exercises, listening for specific information. When you're listening to me right now, your brain isn't listening to the tenses, is not listening to the auxiliary verbs, the prepositions. Your brain is focusing on the general. Now, the general is basically enough information to understand what the person is saying in general. 
because your brain doesn't need more information than that. Your brain only wants to save energy. Now, the easiest way to save energy when it's listening is to not listen to everything. Only listen to the big important words, verbs, nouns, um, subjects, objects, things like this just to get the basic general understanding. And this is what you do when you're watching films. And I think the best way to do this, if you're watching films, series, television, is to to have subtitles of some kind. It doesn't matter if it's in English or Spanish. But with the subtitles, you can see individual words written. And this is where you can focus more on specific information. So we're looking at the four levels to approach listening exercises in general and with film tv and series so the four different levels with subtitles are um the lowest level let's say which is the the audio in your own language and then the subtitles in english now this is very good people try to avoid this one thinking that they're not going to improve their english but it's actually fantastic The good thing about this is that you see, you don't hear the words, but you see the words written and you can compare the words, expressions and vocabulary directly to how the words and expressions were said in your language when you hear them. So although it's the first level, it's the easiest one to do, you can actually learn a lot by using this. So that's the audio in your language and then the subtitles in English. I mean, this is another thing. The the, the best thing that you can do is when you're watching TV anything there's always some english if it's not with the audio it's with the subtitles it it, there's no extra effort at all it's one button on your tv remote control and you've got some english in front of you all the time now sometimes you know you get back from work or you're very busy or whatever and you don't want to to listen in english well fantastic just put the subtitles on in english If you don't want to read them, fine, don't read them, but they're there. And it's just this constant exposure. This first level is the one that you should probably use the most often uh, because it's not difficult at all. Just put the subtitles on in English, even if the audio is in your language, and then you've always got some exposure to English and you will learn a lot. You'll be surprised. Level two is with the audio in English and with the subtitles in your language. This is the next easiest one. It's very good. You're going to be practicing listening, um, but you'll obviously see a direct translation in your language written in the subtitles. It's very good. This is the one I recommend for most people, um, independent of your level. Um, This is the one my wife uses. My wife has got fantastic English, um, but when we're watching uh, series or films or whatever, the audio is always in English, but the subtitles are always in Spanish. And I read them as well. I practice my Spanish. My wife can listen in English. It's very, very, very good. It's the the most accessible one where you're going to be learning a lot. Then the next level, level three, is English audio and English subtitles. This is when you've got pretty high level. Um, I mean, you can use it with any level as well. The problem is maybe you won't understand everything that's being said. And when you're When you're watching TV or a film or some series, the most important thing is that you enjoy it. I mean, that's that's the reason you're watching it in the first place. So that should be your your primary focus. And learning English and practicing English should be a secondary focus. So it really doesn't matter whether the subtitles are in English or Spanish. It doesn't matter. You don't need to think, I need the subtitles in English. You don't. It's good, but it's not necessary. And then level four is audio in English and no subtitles at all. 
Okay, so they're the four different levels. The ones I recommend are levels one and two, the first two levels. They're the ones which are easiest to use. And when I say easiest, it means you can always have one of those options, always by default on your TV. So whether it be the subtitles in English or your own language, always have some subtitles there, okay? And then the audio you can choose. If you're feeling confident, you're feeling um, on, on top of the game, well, you can have the audio in English. And if you're feeling a bit tired or you're just relaxing, you're about to go to bed, put the audio in your language and then have the subtitles on in, on in English. But always have some contact with English. It's the easiest way to always have this contact and exposure to the language. Good. And in episode eight, where I spoke to um, Felisa and Chloe from E3 English, and we're speaking about a fantastic thing that you can do to improve your fluency, which is really simple. Uh, Chloe shared this tip with us, and it was it was talking alone, talking alone out loud, um, just having a, a pretend conversation with a friend or speaking about what you can see or what you're doing or what you did this morning or what you're going to do tomorrow or at the weekend or whatever. It's fantastic. It's the best exercise to um, improve your fluency. Now, what is fluency exactly? Fluency basically describes how easy is it for you to produce words in your target language. So in your case, it will be how easy is it for you to produce English when you're speaking? That's basically what fluency is. It's not really related to improving in level. It's just how easy is it to, for you to physically produce the English that you already know? And this is key. Now, to get... To get fluent, all you need to do is speak more. I mean, it does not matter if you make a mistake or if you make a mistake in pronunciation. Let's have a look at this. When I, re I always recommend this exercise. Speak alone. Speak out loud. Talk about whatever for five minutes every day. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and people say, yeah, but if I make a mistake uh, with a tense or something, nobody's going to correct me. And I say, look, you don't need to worry about mistakes. When you're practicing fluency, you're practicing fluency which is how easy is it for you to produce the words. If you make a mistake with grammar, well, okay, you need to practice grammar, but that's a secondary exercise. That's different, okay? If you make a mistake with pronunciation, okay, well, that's pronunciation. You can worry about that another time. Here, we're just worrying about physically producing English words and English sentences. So don't worry about the grammar. Don't worry about pronunciation. Things like, obviously, do it as best you can, but it should never be an excuse for you not to do this exercise. I'll tell you a little story. I mean, when I, when I first came here 10 years ago in Spain, I needed to improve my Spanish. I wanted to. Now, living in a country is not the solution. It's good if you use it. But I know many people that have lived here for years and they can't speak Spanish. Um, now, it's not ignorance. It's not any of that. But unless you have, unless you make a conscious decision and make it your primary goal, just living here or living in, your, in the country where they speak your target language, you do not automatically learn the language. You only learn the language if you do things to learn the language. So I realized that, you know, with my wife being Spanish, my family-in-law, all of my friends are Spanish, I realized that I needed to improve my Spanish. I needed to, to get good and be good at Spanish. And, but, of course, I spent the whole day speaking English. My job is in English. 
Um, I speak to my wife and my children in English. So it was only at the weekends when I would see my friends or my family-in-law where I'd speak Spanish for a couple of hours. Is that enough? No. With fluency in speaking, you do need to speak every single day. So I did three exercises, three speaking exercises to improve fluency. And this, it was a game changer for me. It completely changed everything. I'll do three things, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at lunchtime, five minutes in the evening. Everybody has five minutes. I don't care how busy you are. Everybody has five minutes. So what I would do in the morning with a new, the free newspaper that I would get on the metro, I would read aloud. So I'd have an article in Spanish and I would read the article aloud. And I would read aloud, so speaking. Um, one thing that you find when you read aloud is that you don't actually absorb any of the information. You, when you get to the end of the article or the thing that you're reading, you'll stop and think, hang on, what, what did I just read? I can't remember anything. Well, that's, that means that you've done it well. Um, this is a speaking exercise. It's not a reading exercise. So your brain will be focusing on producing the words, not absorbing the information. So I would read aloud for five minutes. At the end of the article, I would stop and then continue my day. Now, I would do this walking to work. So I could do this when I was walking on the street or wherever. I didn't need to find extra time. At lunchtime, I would have a pretend conversation with my best friend, Jorge. And I would have a conversation with him. It was very good to use Jorge as the person I was speaking to because, well, because he's my friend, I know how he would answer. So I'd have a pretend conversation with him. Every time that I, I wanted to say a word or an expression, but I didn't know how to say it, I would write that word down in English and then continue my pretend conversation. At the end of five minutes, I would stop, take the words and expressions that I didn't know how to say, look them up in a dictionary, and then write them down in my notebook. Fantastic. And continue my day. And then in the evening, I would do what I call general commentary, which is I was just speaking about what I could see, what I've just done, what I was going to do later. This is basically... I mean, your brain is always talking. Your brain is always talking to itself or, or commenting on whatever you can see. All you need to do is vocalize this, this brain talk. So as I, I was washing up, and I would speak about why I was washing up. I was, I'm washing up because I've just had, um, just had dinner. I had dinner because I was very hungry. I was very hungry because I just went to the park and ran six kilometers. I'm running every day because next month I have a race, blah, 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 blah. You can talk forever like this. And again, every time I didn't know how to say a word or expression, I would write it down and then continue. At the end of the five minutes, I would have five words and I would look for those in the dictionary. Um, this vocabulary and this language that you that you write down during these fluency exercises are the best and the most important things that you can learn. Why? Because they're things that you wanted to say. The things that you wanted to say but didn't know how to say, this is the best thing that you can learn. So I was practicing fluency and speaking every single day. I'd make mistakes, but that's not a problem. If there were some things that I didn't know how to say, I would write them down and learn five or ten new and extremely relevant pieces of vocabulary every single day. Now, that's five minutes in the morning, five minutes at lunch, five minutes in the evening. Five minutes in, um, in the morning is reading aloud. Then a conversation with a person. And then in the evening, it's general commentary. So speaking about whatever, your brain talk vocalized. You do this every day. It's five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. You notice a quick improvement. In one week, you feel more fluent. You can produce 
um, English in your case much more easily. You feel really, really confident and you feel fantastic. Now be careful because the mistake I made was, okay, fantastic. I'm fluent now. I stopped doing it. And after three or four days, it all goes. Fluency is something that you need to continuously practice. It's not like vocabulary that stays in your head residually for a longer period of time. Fluency is very temporary and you, it's, you need to constantly use it. Otherwise, you very quickly use it. So you notice a big, big difference after one week of doing this exercise. But if you stop doing it for any reason, after a few days, you're back to zero. Okay, that's okay. One week doing it again, you get it all back. But you do need to do this con consistently and continuously. But it's very easy. Five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Who doesn't have five minutes? Do this exercise, guys. It's by far the best fluency and speaking exercise that you can do. Good. Okay, so if you want more information, I'll leave links to all of the podcast episodes in the show notes and all of the recommended apps, particularly uh, Lingui and Anki, which I definitely recommend you get. There'll also be a link to a very good grammar reference book, which was recommended by a few guests, which is English Grammar and Use. There will be a link to that. It's by far the best grammar reference book that you can get. It covers all aspects of English grammar definitely get it. Teachers use it. Students use it. Everybody loves it. Very good. Okay, so that's it. I'll see you next week for another episode of the Broughton English Show. Take care. Bye-bye.